So up until this weekend, our season of fall has been rather lovely. Nice and crisp, the leaves are falling, the sky is bright blue, and today you just have to use your imagination to remember what a beautiful fall day looks like and feels like. The start of fall always reminds me that it's now time to wear cozy sweaters and drink hot chocolate and listen to jazz. Now I know for myself that I am just one soft sweater or one new pumpkin scented candle or perhaps a cozy pair of socks away from perfect happiness and contentment. Just one more cozy thing and my life will be perfect. It's all I need to soothe my soul. If only, right? I'm not serious. We find ourselves sometimes caught up in this sense of consumeristic culture, where we are tempted to spend money on temporary things or seasonal items. If you're browsing through the grocery store aisles right now, you might be led to believe that anything flavored or scented pumpkin spice is the key to finding joy right now. Our consumeristic notions attempt to convince us that we need to buy more and more and more frequently to keep up with our economy, to keep our economy going, to keep our world spinning. And all of this is so persuasive because marketers link our happiness and joy and sense of self and identity and well-being into buying more and more. So we pack our closets and our drawers and our garages full of stuff to keep up with the neighbors, to quiet the noise that says we are not enough, to fill that empty hole of meaning in our core, or to feel that rush of dopamine when you get something new. And so when we're listening to our gospel lesson this morning, and the disciples are asking for more, then we, at first blush, might think this seems selfish. They should think of others. Or it's wasteful. They should buy secondhand or unnecessary. Don't you already have several of these anyway? But what is it that the disciples are asking for? Is it a faster donkey or a perfect pair of fall boots or a pumpkin spice-flavored laundry detergent? No, they're asking for more faith. Lord, increase our faith, they declare. Well, that sounds great. Who doesn't want more faith? And while we're at it, add on more, more love and more hope and more wisdom, more peace, more patience, more courage, more empathy, more knowledge, more of all of that good stuff, please. How could it be bad to ask for something good, for more of something good? So why are they asking for more faith? Maybe there's a twist here. Maybe somehow they want more faith so that they have more to be prideful about or more to compete with one another. You know, who's the best disciple, who has more faith, that sort of thing. If we go back a few verses, we find out what this conversation is really about. And they're asking for more faith so that they can be more forgiving. Jesus has told them that if somebody messes up, if somebody sins against them, if somebody hurts them, but then comes to them and says, I'm sorry and I've changed. But if someone does that even seven times in a single day, 
that they're still supposed to have forgiven that person seven times. It's a hard lesson. Jesus has been instructing them on other difficult lessons as well, things like love your enemies, bless even those who curse you, forgive people even when they don't deserve it, give without the condition or expectation of receiving anything in return, and be ready to take up our cross and follow him. Each one of those instructions, all by themselves, is a steep ask. And it makes sense in the face of that to ask for more fortitude, more strength, more courage, more faith to carry it out. After all, the disciples didn't tell him no. They didn't say, you're out of your mind. We're not forgiving somebody seven times in a single day. We are not going to be gracious and understanding. They said implicitly, yes, but we're going to need some help. So a little bit more faith would be great. Jesus' response then is, depending on how you want to look at it, a little playful and funny or maybe a little bit snarky because it doesn't really make sense. He says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, who wants a tree planted in the middle of the ocean? This isn't what they're asking for, and Jesus knows that. Rachel Held Evans, who was a recovering evangelical and theologian and writer, preached a sermon on this passage almost a decade ago. And she said, there's nothing more ridiculously useful than replanting useless, let me get that right, <laughs> ridiculously useless than replanting a mulberry tree in the ocean. And I wonder if Jesus wasn't reminding his disciples that faith isn't manifested in flashy magic tricks or pointless self-congratulatory displays of power or in destruction and uprooting, but in daily acts of faithfulness, those quotidian acts of obedience that grow the kingdom one carefully tended little mustard seed at a time. She continues to remind us that faith is a gift from God. And so by complaining or implying that we don't have enough faith, we are criticizing our good gift giver. She goes on to say that maybe the mistake the disciples make isn't so much in asking for more faith, but in thinking they don't have enough, in thinking God's gift to them was insufficient. And maybe we think that too sometimes. If I just had a little bit more faith, if we had just a little bit more trust and assurance that God was really with us, then think about what we could do. Think about what we could accomplish. Think about the lives that we could shape and change, the world's problems that we could fix. We'd really be something with just a little bit more. But Jesus is here to remind us that as beloved children of God, we already are something. And we already have more than enough faith to live as we are called to live. It turns out we've been wearing the ruby red slippers the whole time. Our faith may be small like a seed, but even seeds grow into mighty trees. 
even if we never rest under their shade, the seeds that we plant and nourish have lasting legacies for generations to come. Robert Capon reminds us that Jesus focuses on the small hidden beginnings of things rather than the showy final product. And I'd like to point out that this is the fourth Sunday in a row that one of us is preaching from Capon, which means that I have accepted Pastor Tier's challenge, and he gets to pick it up and carry on next week. So Capon says, the real point of the parable is the marvelous discrepancy between the hiddenness of the kingdom at its sowing and the lush, manifold exuberance of it in its final, totally successful fruition. So what does that mean for us? Well, in part, it speaks to where we are today, specifically. Because not only is today October 2nd, not only is today World Communion Sunday, not only is today the giving of the third grade Bibles, it is also the beginning of our stewardship season. Which, yes, it means it's time for us to ask for money. Perhaps surprisingly, though, we're going to begin our request not with asking, but with thanking. We'll be sharing our stories this month of gratitude. You may have already filled out a leaf with something that you were thankful for, maybe in Sunday school or on your way in. And if you didn't already, there are leaves as you leave this morning where you can write something that you are grateful for and we'll pin it up there as part of our stewardship and fall decor. But we are thinking about gratitude and the stories of what God has done for us through Mount Olivet. Stories of what God is doing now in our community, stories of what God is doing in our world. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to your time and your talent and your skills, but also, importantly, thanks to your financial giving. Because it's how we keep the lights on. It's how we heat and cool our building, not only for worship on Sunday mornings, but also for all of the small children who attend preschool during the week. It's how we pay salaries to support the livelihoods of our staff and their families. It's how we continue this beautiful legacy that Mount Olivet has of loving Jesus and caring so deeply about our created world and the people who live in it. Our gifts are like seeds that multiply the mission and ministry of this church. And some of the things that we do on the face of them might seem rather small. And like small seeds, we know they grow into large trees. We are a nurturing place for children to learn about God. And maybe that seems like a small thing at first, but think of all of those seeds of faith that are planted. Think of those early memories now and understanding of what church is, understandings that will carry them through life. We are an inspiring and welcoming place to gather on a Sunday morning to praise God, to sing our songs and tell our stories, and a safe place for youth to show up fully as they fully are on Sunday evenings, to share a meal and to grow in faith together. <clears throat> Giving to the church or being asked to give can sound a bit like one of those unpleasant sort of tasks, like 
loving your enemies, or taking up your cross, or selling all of your possessions, or following Jesus, things that sound super difficult, and sometimes, frankly, a little vague. We might think of giving to the church as a requirement to give 10% of your income, and maybe you're, you're calculating what that is right now and thinking, well, I could never do that. And if you're thinking, I could never do that, so I'm just not going to give anything, we have a little bit of encouragement for you. Because we're asking for you to move in that direction. But we're asking you to prayerfully consider what you can give. And there's a confirmed rumor going around that if you've never given before or you've never planned your giving or given a pledge, that members of Mount Olivet will match your gift so that what you give will become twice as much as it was before. So even if you feel like your gift is not enough, because we often don't feel like we have enough or are enough, Know that Jesus reminds us that that sort of self-doubt is ridiculous. We have more than enough faith to grow trees in the ocean. Because the truth is that no amount is too small. We are grateful for every financial gift. Because all of our gifts are multiplied for the glory of God. All of our gifts allow us to do otherwise unthinkable things, things that are much more useful to the commonwealth of God, to the community, and to the world than asking a tree to grow in the middle of the ocean. And for that, thanks be to God. Amen.